This is CliffCentral.com. Here's a powerful thing. I mean, it's got a lot of firepower. If you can figure out a way to wrestle that fear, to push you from behind rather than stand in front of you, that's very powerful. Multiplying leadership, moving society, the millennial way. You don't want to end up going after goals and dreams and neglect yourself. Welcome to the Youth Leadership Platform with your host, Bongani Tao. Take control. Take control of your city. This is the instrument of your liberation. See, old friend, I brought more soldiers than you did. Identify yourself to the world. All right, just like that, you have landed once more on the hottest, uncensored, unradio platform in South Africa. And internationally, really. And you tuned into the Youth Leadership Platform with your host, Bongani Tao. Follow the conversation on at Simply Bongani across all social media platforms, at YLP Cliff Central on Twitter and Instagram, Youth Leadership Platform on Facebook. Welcome to yet another exciting episode. And today, you, you might have gotten the sense from our intro that we are going futuristic, whatever that means. <laughs> And we, we're focusing mostly on the movie Black Panther, but, but not, not so much the movie, but the narrative behind it. And I'm joined in studio by two powerful and elegant black ladies um, to join in the conversation. One of them is doing a master's and the other a PhD. So that's, that's, that's the kind of weight I'm, I'm carrying on my shoulders. <laughs> In today's conversation So joining me in studio is Kolega and Rashida Welcome to the studio ladies Thank you Thank, Thank you, so you much for having, having us me. Yes Thanks 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 a lot for, for coming through let's, let's, let's get into it I think we'll start off with the presentations So um, Kolega you, 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 can, you can go ahead and, and, and speak more about African representation And, and, and just intro um, your presentation And we'll move to Rashida And then we'll get into the the nuances in the narrative itself. Okay. okay, thank you very much. I have titled my presentation To Be an African Flying Machine, Afrofuturism and Blackness. Okay. In this presentation, I'll be using an expression that Tandiswa Mazwai utters in her song titled Ibokwe. In it, she boldly states, I am an African flying machine. This statement does multiple things. Firstly, it challenges the ludicrous idea that South Africans are not of Africa. Secondly, it suggests that black women can be anything they want to be. And thirdly, it draws on the Afrofuturistic practice wherein a queer black African woman is at the center of the narrative instead of existing on the margins. Here, she not only transforms into a flying machine, but she becomes an embodiment of diasporic movement. Although the phrase speaks of the flying machine as particularly African, it is clear that because Ubundiza or the act of flight is not bound by colonial constructs like national borders and citizenship, the machine itself transcends Up Africa as an, as an experience that is solely located within the African continent. Hmm. The African flying machine goes where it wants, when it wants, and it always has Amandla Ubundiza as seen in Simpuadana's Ndiredi. In this context, the African flying machine is always ready to fly. It is sure of itself. In Tanduso Mazai's song, the flying machine is aware that a gaze rests upon it. It is aware that it is the object of fascination. And in resistance, it speaks. The machine speaks and say, Ungandi bona when I'm doing my thing. Mm. In its utterance, it disrupts the idea that Africans are simply there to be gawked at without any agency of their own. In this universe, African flying machine is black woman and black woman is African flying machine. Hmm. In this plane of cyborgs, expansive skies, waters and land, 
blackness is not in flight from oppression but is in flight to freedom. In this context, Africa is not pejorative. It is not synonymous with alienness, which can be read as otherworldliness, the peculiar, the unfamiliar, and the foreign. In this world, there are no foreigners, but I'm Africa in flight to Ingulego. In the world of the African machine, alienness in Africa is paradoxical. Hmm. In this world, to be alien is the stuff of Hollywood bioscope, where white American heterosexual men and women continue to single-handedly save planet Earth from, from, uh, from extraterrestrial invasions. In this alien world, North America is Earth itself. It is the place where black men and women are meant to serve as backdrops and as casualties of violence. It is the world where black people are not meant to be the ones in spacesuits Conquering powerful silvery beings with saucer-like inky eyes that consume you until you are normal. The African flying machine is an Afrofuturistic concept, raptures this anti-black and anti-queer world. Through the idea of the African flying machine, Africans on the continent and in the diaspora can imagine themselves anew. Through the black radical imagination, otherness cannot be used as justification for atrocious acts of violence. Through it, Africans cease to be poverty-stricken, poverty-stricken, gang-banging, violent, disease-infested, primitive people from up there, out there, and nowhere. Mm. The African flying machine goes here, there, and everywhere. It belongs to Umhlaba, earth, land, space. And that is, colleague. And, you know, I've got so many questions uh, to, to, to ask you. Uh, but before we proceed and do that, uh, I think we'll, we'll give um, Rashida her time okay. and then we'll get into the conversation. Okay, perfect. So as a history of art student at WITS, my research is really centered around this idea of the black radical imagination. And I define this concept as this intrinsic force that acts as an instrument of liberation. It allows one to create without limitations, to reclaim their artistry, and to construct narratives that are reflective of their own African or diasporic experiences. The black radical imagination is really emerging as this powerful platform to examine and aestheticize creativity, and it involves the emancipation of thought, artistry, identity, and agency. The black radical imagination proposes these ideas of creating spaces that aren't restricting or limiting. It requires reclaiming and restructuring narratives so that they aren't victimizing, but instead empowering. Hmm. Above all, the black radical imagination requires one to generate new narratives. So while my research really focused on the historical exclusions of the black radical imagination from visual art institutions like museums and galleries, substantial parts of black artistic productivity have been rendered invisible in other artistic mediums, whether it be literature, academia, science, and technology. And I think that this is why Afrofuturism was introduced as a genre to really disrupt and refigure those limited representations of blackness. Afrofuturism, as I know it, is a product of the black radical imagination through a black lens. It examines reimagining a future with art, science, and technology from our own black experiences. And I think that it's especially significant to look at the black radical imagination and its cohesion with Afrofuturism, especially depicted in Black Panther, which I'm sure we'll talk all about in a little bit. So, yeah, that's the black radical imagination for me. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. So here's the thing. I want us to, starting this conversation, to actually break down the word itself. So because, because there's, a, there's, a, there's a breakaway and there's a, there's a lot of paradoxes within the word itself, which is what I want us to unpack and then move into this positive ideal that both the presentations... Um, Outline. So let, let's talk about what, what would you describe Afrofuturism as? Okay, well, for me, I'd describe it as really a constellation of blackness, African-American culture, science, technology, and the arts inspired by ancient African culture. At its most fundamental sense, that's how I understand Afrofuturism. Okay. Colega? Yo, um, Afro means related to Africa or about Africa. Yes. And then futurism has to do with how one imagines themselves using um, science and technology. Sure. So it has to do with um, 
how black people can reimagine their own narratives and actually center their own narratives through 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 science and technology mm. through sci-fi yeah do do you not have a problem with the etymology of 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 the word to describe a certain group of people which is black uh, like you and me but not to have come from a black person <laughs> am I putting both of you on the spot right now? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. That, that's that's the, the whole the, that's the whole purpose of having a narrative, mm, right? Most definitely. <laughs> yes, yes. I think that it can become problematic because if you think about the term Afrofuturism, it wasn't coined until what 1993, and Black people, such as Sun Ra specifically, has been the epitome of Afrofuturism in the 1950s. So I think that the term really came from this idea of a white man othering blackness and giving us this term. But I think that we appropriated it and made it our own. So, yeah, there are some contestations around it, but I think we've reclaimed it. Colega, what do you think? Uh, I think there's a very interesting relationship between theory and practice. Okay. Right. So a lot of the time, these, um, here. So a lot of the time within the academic world, for instance, you find that we coin things. And because we are coining things, we think that that's when those things begin. Mm. Um, mm. okay. So before the term feminism, there was already feminist practice in the world. Sure. Um, so we don't need people to coin things and to name them before they start happening. Mm. Um, so like, like Rashid has been saying, um, that Sandra and, and the orchestra, is it the orchestra? The orchestra, yeah. the orchestra um, existed in the fifties. This is before, way before this term was, um, was coined. So I don't know about like this idea of naming and who gets to name and for what purposes. And I also don't know if we can appropriate or reappropriate every single name. I don't know if every name can be reappropriated. I don't know. Cause mm. some are just so pejorative that it's difficult to make them positive. Mm. So yeah, this one, Afrofuturism, it's, it's, it's okay. It's all right. Mm. It's, it's, it's not bad. It's not too bad. Yeah. So w- would we find a, a suitable alternative to the word? Um, say for instance, I think words like Afrotopia still have that problem from, from, from an etymology, uh, point of view, how they were founded, who coined the terms. But okay, let's, let's, let's then focus on what are some of the problems that the movie itself or the representation in the movie have on the culture that, that they were trying to represent? Um, from South Africa, let's let's let, let's get into that. When we when we are talking about the movie, we are talking about Black Panther. Sure, it's it's so interesting how um, my brother and I were actually in the in the lift um, after watching Black Panther, and someone was on the phone talking about how everything is sold out. It's like I couldn't get in, I couldn't get in, and um, Automatically, we assumed that he couldn't get into Black Panther because we're all in Black Panther mode. So when you talk about let's focus on the movie, it could have been any movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, which movie? <laughs> but we all know <laughs> that we are talking about Black Panther. Sure. Um, Rashida, do you want to take this one while I'm thinking? Sure. Um, you mentioned the problematic sure. representations. Yeah. I think that, okay, I feel like first and foremost, it was an honor for me as an African-American to be able to experience the film in a South African context. Okay. And one thing that I noticed from the very visceral reactions of the crowd was the representation of Isi Yes. 
spoken you did that by. Perfectly. Thank you. I've been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm impressed. Yes. So um, there were American actors who were speaking this South African language that obviously all the people in the theater could understand. And their reactions when they first started speaking were insane. They were not happy with the representation of one of their own South African languages. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that I think became a little bit problematic for some people. Um, what else? To me personally, I I really wanted to focus on the positive representations because I feel like that's what I noted more. Okay. And I feel like the film did a great job of representing the multiplicities of what it means to be an African. Okay. Like oftentimes we like to use African as this all-encompassing term, and I think that it doesn't allow us to acknowledge the nuance and the specificity mm. that exists within the continent, right? Mm-hmm. But I felt like these representations of Africanness were so vast I mean, people from the Akan cultures and the Maasai and obviously Tosa and Indebele were represented. And I feel like South Africa specifically was represented to the fullest. They were playing like Babes Wadumo and other <laughs> South African music. So, yeah, I think that for me as, as an outsider looking in, I feel like they did a pretty decent job presenting diverse representations of what it means to be African. Mm. Yeah. Colega, what was your experience? Let, and, and, and let's talk from a point of knowing and coming from South Africa and coming mm. from a particular culture, knowing what certain rights and cultural way mm. represents and means to the people and what it should mean to society mm. and how it was adapted to this narrative that was told from a Western point of view. That is a very loaded question <laughs> asked to a young black woman who hardly practices. Who's powerful? Don't don't it, yeah, don't, but don't dim your lights. Yeah, but also I'm a product. This. I'm a product of a white institution okay. called Wits University. <laughs> um, as much as you know, yes, I grew up in the township and. I went to Ekabangaya Primary School, but sure. at some point went to a private school, got displaced Nami from my own, you know, culture. Sure. So I cannot speak as a custodian of, you know, the culture of Amazulu, for instance, because I, as much as, you know, I have some knowledge, it's truncated because of my encounters with whiteness through like school and stuff. So I feel like they should be like an older, you know, person to talk about these issues because no, Really, I don't feel like, I, I don't, I don't feel equipped. Um, I don't feel equipped, but, um, what I can say is that, um, I also went into it very aware. I mean, when I say went into it, went into, you know, watching the film, very aware of the conversations that were happening prior to me watching it. Sure. So there were many conversations around the fact that this is a Marvel, you know, production. Um, even though a black, male director is at the helm of it. It's still under Marvel. It's still produced within a white institution that we call Hollywood. So it has, that institution has particular ideas around blackness. And some people were saying that, um, why now? It just seems convenient because, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter, um, movement is, 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 is happening. It's still happening. You know, it never, it never stopped. Um, with with the call to decolonize, sure. you know. And so it's like, is this a way for Hollywood to be on the right side of history while making money at the same time? <laughs> That's part of the conversation. Mm, and we mm, can't deny mm, the fact mm, that mm. Hollywood is powerful and that it's got, yeah, white capital behind it. Sure. But at the same time, there is something very important about a black person being at the helm and being able to represent blackness. Mm -hmm. So, yes, um, you know, there were five tribes in the film. Sure. I have, I have, I have issues with the idea of tribe. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, um, Ubabu Achimafeje talks about how, you know, the idea of tribe is a colonial construct. Okay. You know, Zulus versus Tosas versus Tswanas and so on and so on. And I use those terms specifically because that's how, um, you know, whiteness has written us into history. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's, it's Zulu, not is Zulu. Mm. Tosa, not is Tosa mm. and so on and so on. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. So it's mm. like a shorthand 
for those who can't pronounce <laughs> things. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. So I was, I was, I was, I was appreciative of the fact that attention was paid to, you know, the costumes. And I say costumes because I'm working within the genre of film here, you know, and I'm understanding that I'm working within a framework wherein, you know, we're dealing with a fictional narrative. Sure. You know, so it's tall or within that context might not necessarily function the same way that it that might. It doesn't realize. Uh, uh, sure. You know what I'm saying? So this is a representation. It's a three-dimensional representation of a story. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important. I don't want, I don't know. Sometimes we see images and we think those images are truth. They are a history. They are not the history. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when I watch a film, I watch it very much aware of what films are meant to do. Yeah. You know, there's this. So in, in, in theater, there's something called the fourth wall. So when you go in to watch a play, sure. you know, Uguti as an audience member, don't now go and jump on stage and start interacting with the characters. Even though the the wall is not there, you understand the codes and conventions oh, okay. of theater. Like yes. you, you don't yes. clap now. You don't you don't talk to the characters. Sure. And what I found interesting about that entire experience, actually being in Black Panther, was the fact that the fourth wall was constantly broken mm. by the audience. Mm. People were speaking yes. to T'Challa like, "Hey, when <laughs> <laughs> it was so wonderful, mm. you know." Um. And I've always seen that as an American experience, actually, mm. because watching black American films, you know, and it's like in the hood and people are like, run, run, run. Mm. And I'd never had that experience, actually, from an African perspective. Sure. I understood that when you go into a cinema, you know, you go in, you sit and you just look at the image and you appreciate. And so... You know, finding myself surrounded by black people wearing their 3D glasses, talking about, you know, why is this guy doing this or that? Oh, yeah. yes, girl, yes. And yeah. clapping. Yeah. And yeah. that was really beautiful for me. So it's really hard for me to solely focus on the negative because there'll sure. always be negatives. Mm-hmm. I know Guti, there was a very, very valid, um, you know, critique where people were saying that there was an absence of queer Mm. Um, representation in the film That's very Which very scenes were, were deleted by the way Yeah I mean that that's something quite valid it's, it's, it's very valid And we need to think about This idea this big word called intersectionality So how someone can be oppressed And have privilege at the same mm. time mm-hmm. So the fact that um, Ryan Cookley, um is, is, is a black man who is heterosexual you know what i'm saying so he's got heterosexual privilege in that in in that in that situation and what is privilege privilege is that thing that you don't have to worry about if you don't have to think about it it means it's privilege sure so he takes it for granted and doesn't include it for whatever purpose even though it's it's included in the comic so i mean of course those things are there and we cannot act like that is not an issue. That is an issue. So let, let's talk a bit about um, queer representation in, 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 in different movies and focus just slightly for even for a, a minute on movies like Ingleba, for instance, and, and the outcry and the outbreak that, that has come from that. Do you feel that, you know, we are all fighting for equality, whether you're feminist, whether you're just black or you're queer or... In, in, in any regard and in any form, we all fighting for a sense of equality. Do you think there's exclusivity in this quest for equality, this quest for a kind of freedom? Because in, 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 in all honesty, with the films and the movies that um, have come out, we can find a lot of problems in Black Panther that we can find in Inglema. But Black Panther is, and it's got the clout, and Ingleba is banned from, from, from cinema. Let's, let's talk a bit about that. Um, <laughs> is it me again? Okay. Yo, you know, it's, it's, it's funny actually what's happening here because I'm straight. So, um, and by straight, I mean, it's, it's such problematic language. I'm a heterosexual, you know, black Pres- woman. Sure. And uh, I find it interesting how right now in this particular moment in time, it's almost like queer people don't exist. They're not there to speak for themselves. And by virtue of me just simply speaking about queerness, not having the experience of it, it, it's, it's, it plays into this idea that 
they are not there. They are not visible. They are absent. They are somewhere out there living and, and the people that get to be the mouthpieces are still heterosexual people. So the privilege there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this yeah. privilege mm-hmm. of being here talking mm-hmm. about queerness when mm-hmm. it's not my experience. Sure. It's not my experience. I live in a heteronormative society that doesn't question my sexuality at any point, right? So to speak about Tingleba and queerness, yo, I, I feel like I am not... <laughs> Again, I feel <laughs> ill-equipped always Same. because so. it's, it's, it's not my experience, mm. but also I know what it is to be oppressed. So as someone who experiences oppression, I understand when people want to center their narratives and want to center their lived experiences. And I understand that, that, that outcry, you know, that why should we, because it's like criminalizing queerness mm. actually. You know, it's like, oh, it's pornographic. Um, yes, uh, gay love equals to porn. Mm. Exactly, exactly. Headlines. But we can watch Abo Malena. You know, I grew up watching Malena, guys. Abo Malena, good days. She in days. Days of our lives. But I watched Uprook, <laughs> you know, doing things. I was like 12. Sure. You know, and no one said, yo, hey, pornographic is this mm. thing. Yeah. But all of a sudden, queerness comes in and, you know, we 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 ban we ban films in 2018. Sure, where like, there's freedom of where, expression. Where are we? And it's very reminiscent of the apartheid Rashida. regime. Yeah. yeah, very much so. When there were certain books that people weren't allowed to read. So this idea of censorship, I think, is counteractive to the type of progress that's supposed to be taking place in a democratic South Society, Africa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where do we draw the line now? Coming back to the the cultural aesthetic of um, the movie and, and and just the idea of Afrofuturism, where do we draw the line of cultural inappropriation when it comes to telling narratives like this? Because we 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 we're going to a place and we we coming to a time where a lot of us now want to represent ourselves. Where we've got that platform now that we can rise up and actually tell our own stories. I, I saw, I think they're gonna do Born a, uh, Born a Crime by, by mm-hmm. Trevor Noah. Lupita Young is working on that. Mm-hmm. And Lupita and Danai Gurira are also working on Chimamanda's Americana. Mm. They, they wanna do a feature film on that. So with, when, when it comes to representation and we, when we're adapting that to, um, you know, the making a film, where do we draw the line, um, in terms of cultural inappropriation? I personally think that the line should be drawn when the culture that you're trying to represent is being ostracized from the from the creation, right? So with me and Black Panther, for example, I really appreciated the fact that there was this like transatlantic collaboration between okay. black people in the diaspora and here on the continent. So I think that it's imperative to consult with these cultures and have them as involved as possible in that process of generating a narrative that's reflective of themselves. So... I think the line is drawn when that acknowledgement isn't there. Okay. Yeah. So when 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 they adapted uh, Misikosa, for instance, to be part of mm-hmm. uh, you know the the language in conversation within the movie itself, mm-hmm. you feel that 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 did ju- justice to the culture and. I think so because the origins of it, even being the official language of Wakanda, came from John Connie working on Captain America. And he was confused as to why he was talking to his son, T'Challa, in English when they're from Wakanda, right? Oh, yes. So it was him who said, you know, we need to incorporate an African language and I can teach you. So it was someone coming from this particular place and culture and then allowing someone else to be a part of it through teaching them. And I think that that's vital to any type of representation of another culture outside of your own. Hmm. You know, what are your sentiments? Yes. I've always felt that there's a lot of power behind the camera. Okay. And I think it is important for, for Africans. So in, 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 in this context, in the context of Black Panther, I think it is important to have Africans making decisions. When I say Africans, I mean people located within the continent okay. also making like creative, you know, decisions. Sure. And, and that intervention by Ubab John Kani is critical because I remember, um, being in the cinema and as soon as, you know, Watandwa Kani spoke, it's cause, uh, 
people were just clapping and there was such a sense of pride. And, and as Rashida was saying that whenever, you know, American, you know, actors then spoke in, in, in African languages, then, then there was, was, there was like a, a response from Africans within the continent. Mm-hmm. Sure. Just finding it highly problematic that, you know, the accents were not worked on. Sure. Um, and, and I think it is important to have someone behind the scenes who is of, not of African descent, but someone who, who is located within the continent and understands the languages so that that person can emphasize the importance of actually knowing and, and, and training one's tongue. I mean, you know, we've trained our tongues to, to speak this English, right? (laughs) So I'm sure also (laughs) we learned about Stanislavski at Vids. I can say it so easily now. I struggled at first. Sure. So yeah, in the movie, you can, you can also say that. And it just requires like training. I mean, we learned like Shakespeare. We didn't even understand what was happening with that heightened text, you know? But you, you learned. Medieval English. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we, we learned. So I believe that as long as you're an actor and you, and you respect your craft, you are going to learn yeah. how to pronounce. So I feel like also the responsibility lies with the director to really emphasize that, no, actually, you need to do that again and again and again. I felt like the character of the Queen Mother, played by Angela Bassett, she did more work than most. Sure. I'm, I'm talking in relation to the accents. You know, yeah. so when she spoke, I didn't feel like, hmm, what is she saying? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the subtitling was very important because I felt like if I'd closed my eyes and I'd listened sometimes when the Americans were speaking the Iskos or Izul, um, I wouldn't have known what was being said. Sometimes mm. it felt like that. It was so fast and the, and the accent was kind of off that, yeah, I needed also to read. My own language. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. A, a paradox in, 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 in linguistic, uh, what? What's the, what's, what's the term for it? But in, in, in essence, it, yeah. it, it was a paradox that yeah. you're speaking in, in your own language, but. I'm reading it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. But I appreciated the, the, the effort, mm. but I saw it's okay. I, I did go into it kind of expecting because it's American. I yeah. was like, okay, <laughs> sharp. Like these are the things that you should anticipate. Yeah. As a, uh, you know, there's this scholar called Upel Hooks and she talks about spectatorship and black people and how black people watch movies. Yeah. And how she interviewed, um, you know, black women in particular, just their relationship to cinema and how a lot of the time, Black women had to, you have to hype yourself up before watching a movie because you know, you know what you're not going to be represented. Yeah. Either you're not there or you're just like on the margins. So, but you still want to enjoy the movie. So they found ways to kind of silence that critical part of themselves mm. at times to cope with the image on screen. And that's, that's violent, man. <laughs> like when you actually have to silence parts of yourself to cope with what you are seeing on screen. Mm. So she, she has this idea of the oppositional gaze. Yeah. Like looking to resist. She talks about how looking relations have always been political, even, even on, on, on plantations. So just because the Masai is there doesn't mean that I'm not going to look at him. I'm going to, I'm going to take my time and look, even if you can't see me. It's like how, you know, we are taught not to, Look, so she talks about how children are taught not to look directly into the eyes of adults. But you know, as a child, you looked sometimes. You looked and then you just looked long enough not to be seen, but you know what you resisted in that moment. So she talks about how spectatorship is about resistance and how we look. So, so, so the characters in the movie look at us, right? Or they look at each other. And while they're looking at each other, we're looking at them. So black characters in, 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 you know, in cinema, it is important to have moments where the fourth wall is ruptured in the sense that you might find a character looking directly at the camera and you feel like, yo, the fourth wall is no longer there. <laughs> it's supposed to, cause, cause it's supposed to be like that sometimes to remind you, Uguti, this is a representation. Yeah, it's not the actual thing. Yeah. Yeah. And we are breaking the fourth wall because we see you. So it's important for characters to also see who's looking at them 
and they look back and they see you and they name you through their eyes. Let's talk. Let's break away for a, a bit from from um, the seriousness of this conversation and and, and speak a bit about a future, an ideal future from from um, each of you um, in in an African context or where Africans are actually thriving because that that has been the the mandate and what they've that we've been fighting for for centuries now mm. an ideal an ideal um as a black woman i think that an ideal future for me would be an opportunity to really exist outside of exploitation and oppression and the violence that really is inflicted upon women of color every single day in every faucet of our existence so for me, I'd like to exist outside of a white gaze, outside of a male gaze, outside of hypersexuality, outside of objectification. So I can only speak on a future for me as a black woman. I don't think I can prophesize <laughs> how I want. For everyone. For everyone. <laughs> I mean, equality for everyone at its fundamental sense, most sure. definitely. Sure. Yes. That's a future for me. Colega? Um, future. You know... Just to go back to Black Panther, as the spaceship was like kind of hovering, you know, all that land it looked so good. <laughs> <laughs> it looked so good. <laughs> you want the land, the, the livestock? Do you see those yes. young boys with the livestock? It looked so good. I was, I was appreciating mm-hmm. Black people on all this land. So that in itself, you know, there's this joke um, where people talk about why, why. Why there's the stereotype of the loud black person, and they say that uh, it's because we had so much land that we we needed to to scream to reach to reach the neighbor, and and really I don't know what it is to to own land okay. and to decide what it is that I want to do with umshaba, sure. and I don't think it's a mistake that in my language umshaba. Means, uh, uh, and even its cause, uh, you know, umshaba has to do with the soil, but also it has to do with the world. You know, I find such richness in, in African languages because they can capture so much all at once. So when people are talking about umshaba wetu, they're not just talking about, you know, the soil, but they're also talking about the world because Africans are contemporary beings that move through space and time. Mm. So the diaspora is very important to me. And I think those transatlantic conversations are important that when people are talking about Trayvon, I'm also touched in sure. Africa because, sure. you know, he is a part of me, right? Mm-hmm. So I want land and resources <laughs> and wealth and um, I want, yeah, I want, I want our knowledge, you know, indigenous knowledge systems to become part and parcel of Institutions like Vets University. Yeah. I think it's very important for students to be able to write in whatever languages they want to. If you want to write a thesis in Stotital, then you should be able. <laughs> because surely th- there are many scholars who have specialized mm-hmm. in Stamto and Totital. So why can't you theorize in Totital? That's the world that I imagine for myself and sure. my children where I don't have to worry about safety for, for a young black woman, mm. you know. Um, I don't have to live in a world where if violence happens, then it's like, what was she doing there? You know what I'm saying? I don't want to live in a world where you are violated because of who you love. I don't want to live in a world where a film is banned because mm. Mm. queer people are in it. Mm. Yeah. You know, it feels like, I don't know. What, it, it feel, This is South Africa, actually. We want Tanzania. <laughs> um, th- this is not it. This is not what Bigo fought for. This is not what Subuge fought for. Sure. This is not what Abu Miriam Tlali fought for. This yeah. is not, this is, this is not it. This is not the dream. This is not the dream. I still haven't seen freedom. I don't know what Nkulewe is. Like Umam Asara Shaku. You know, she talks about you asking me about freedom. I know a whole lot more about what freedom isn't than what Ooh. it is. Yeah, I know what it isn't. Mm. I do know what it isn't. I don't know in Kulego. Mm. And and people think because I'm sitting in front of this mic and PhD, Banbani, Masters, <laughs> you know, it's it's not enough. Yeah. They are still... Where your PhD the, will lend you on a traffic light somewhere asking for a job. Mm. You know, it should be naturally recognized. Exactly. And, and, and there are just not enough of us in these institutions. And when I say us, I mean black women. Mm. They're not enough of us. And I get so excited when I see, 
you know, black women in positions of power. Because I'm like, yes, you're doing it for me too. Mm. Whatever field, you know, whatever field it is, I get excited. I really do. What's your guys' take on, you know, I get the sense that with Afrofuturism in, in what it's being portrayed to be, because it, it means different things to different people, but, you know, the overarching um, concept and ideation of it. Don't you think it's a social futuristic paradox? Because... It places us at a point where black people have have a sense of leadership and power and and freedom, but from from a practical point of view, now taking it away from a production point of view, from the practical point of view, we live in a world where South Africa needs to adapt to AI, while there's someone who's suffering from basic needs like. Um, access to clean toilets, access to water, and we here online shopping. We we're doing all these different things from from that Western world. What 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 what, what do you think about this? I'm gonna challenge you. <laughs> if 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 we're going if we're going the master's route and we oh my gosh we're gonna we're gonna write. Theories. This is the level at which we should be having these conversations. Most definitely. And I'm trying to grasp this idea of a paradox. So what you're saying, if I understand correctly, is that we have all these technological advances or we're trying to get to this technological utopia, right? Yeah. Whereas there are still people who don't have their basic needs. Of course, that's a contradictive, a, a contradiction, because to me, it's like, what's the priority? Yeah. What's the priority of having these platforms if the majority of the people can't use them? So, yeah, I think that it comes down to positions of power, inclusion and exclusion, so I think that that's why it's important for us to have people who have maybe gone through those experiences creating a future that's beneficial for all instead of an outside. Mm. Yeah. And we, 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 and you see, this is, this is a perspective thing, what I'm going to bring up and you're going to um, speak on, on, on the sentiments of what I just asked. We, 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 we celebrating, which is partly a good, like I said, it's a perspective thing. We're celebrating 1 million in, money that can be used to watch black panther when there's heck of more than millions of kids that don't have access to basic stuff even access to education where mm. that money could be spent on you know the, the what, what's happening in, it's very fascinating to to think about these these different things and look at them from different perspectives but you you were about to say colega um yeah i mean i feel like rashida has said most of the things that I was thinking, but in terms of that, yo, it's 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 really hard because it sounds like uh, you know when you are sitting here complaining about the underrepresentation of a particular people within a film, you you are you are talking about nice life problems, right? It's like you are out here talking about a character in a movie and there's a, a person. In real life, That's who doesn't have access sure. to resources. But what I also remember, having grown up in the township of Ulundi, was how important the bioscope was. And I keep calling it bioscope because that was the language that we used. We used, yes. Uh, and when we went to that school, man, and the sheet was up and the projector, and Bruce Lee is there doing his thing. Jackie China. Yeah. I mean, I'm old, I'm old bruh. So I, I, this is even before Jackie China. This is like Bruce Lee times, you sure. know. And I just remember the joy of, it, it, it has to do with this idea of, um, also, it, it, it's like uh, how images travel. Like they don't, so they don't subscribe to this idea of borders and, and I can go to New York right now. I can go to Brooklyn right now by sure. watching a Spike Lee joint. Sure. You know, um, I can go to, it's like books, you know, you visit places without ever going there because sure. some of us don't have the resources mm-hmm. to go to New York. So we're going to go see Hambang a movie, <laughs> right? So see Zohambang a bioscope. And, and I traveled, man. I, I've been to all sorts of places without having the resources. And I think it is important to cultivate the imagination 
of those kids sure. to show them, Muguti, actually, you too, I think images are so important. Sure. You too can do this. Mm. So it's not just an image. Yes, it is, but it isn't at the same time. Sure. It influences how you see yourself. And by virtue of you seeing someone who looks like you, you know, doing something, something powerful. Amazing, yes. You think, yo, I, maybe I can do it too. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think it's, 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 it's an unfair <laughs> question because of course we care. Sure. Uh, you know, the reason why we even talking about the black radical imagination and talking about African flying machines That's and, what I was, and I was music and all of into. that. Yes. You, you know, it's because we care about the black condition. Mm. That's why we are all here. We are all here pursuing our studies, doing all sorts of things in the world because we want to break boundaries. Sure. I think that's the biggest thing. Sure. So if an image can help me to see myself in a different way, if a song, you offer it. If, if a song can tell me, and that means something to me, yeah. then I think that person has done more than enough. And I think about, ooh, Umam Nina Simone and how she talks about the role of the artist in the world sure. and how the artist has to reflect the times. Sure. Without art, what are you going to use your money for? You know? At, at, at the core of art, um, I think, was sublimation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, coined by Sigmund Freud because you, you look at the, the Harlem Renaissance, you look at them, the, the African Renaissance, you, you look at the people at the forefront of that. Most of those people, Sarafina, uh, I said across on, on one occasion, and he spoke about how that was an outlet for him, where he was reflecting that burying uh, a loved one every single week, a, a comrade every week, it's something that was happening at that particular point in time. Nina Simone, to be young, gifted and black, telling other people that all I wanted to do was, was, was be a classic piano player. Mm-hmm. But I can travel the world and I can do amazing things as an artist. And fight, as much as we're fighting for freedom, look, so be free in yourself. Be free. And that's what arts gave people, that, that sense of freedom to express themselves, at least in, in, in part, in, in, in something. So now my question, or you know, the, to, to, to round this up and to, to conclude is is your message in the use of black radical um, imagination to 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 advocate for not not really advocate but to 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 lead the society of black young creatives and just black young kids really to a place where they're actually free in themselves and they can translate that into its physical counterpart. Most definitely. I think that at the center of the idea is the right to exercise your own agency. So for me, it's up to us on an individual basis to get us where we need to be. So each one of us doing what we can in order to ensure our collective freedom. Right. So, yeah, the idea of the black radical imagination is to really allow people to understand their own power. Although we might be facing oppression, we still continue to be innovative. We still continue to create despite all of that. Sure. So as long as we internalize this idea that I as an individual can help a collective, then that's definitely fundamental to creating a black future filled with freedom to me. Hmm. Yeah. Colega? Um, to speak about freedom, I'm going to go back to Nina Simone and how she talks about what freedom means to her and she says it's no fear no fear that's it don't be afraid to be creative right um and by that i mean don't be afraid to push boundaries don't be afraid to have a black superhero sure you know um i think black panther was a very fearless Project, sure. You know, it's it's just the beginning. Black Panther is just the mm-hmm. well. It's not the beginning. There are many many things that happened before it, but there's something quite powerful about the fact that all over the world people are mobilizing <laughs> to go watch <laughs> this thing that appears to just be an image, yeah. But it's actually it speaks to our condition as black people all over the world, mm-hmm. and I want to. Um, Lastly, talk about um, 
let me call it Professor Pumla Dineo Kola. Sure. And she's got this this text called Ufanelu um, Kavile, Black Women, Feminisms and Postcoloniality in Africa. And and I love how she use she, she uses um metaphor as a way to understand how oppression works. And she talks about and she draws from another scholar whose name I can't remember at the moment, but she talks about the seven mountains okay. on a black woman's back. Hmm. And it speaks to what Rashida is saying about how despite the oppression, we are still able to create, we are still able to uh, innovate. And so with the seven Seven mountains on our bags. We're still able to navigate spaces, and mm. we're still able to Wakanda everywhere, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a vet. Mm. Um, and so oppression doesn't stop us from being great. Sure. We are great despite mm. it, but we will overthrow it, and we're working. And this is what we each have a role to play. So it's not everyone who's gonna be in the front lines. Mm. Um, you know, during our protest, some people might make films, some might write books, some might be there in the front lines, some might be making music, and so on and so on. So know what your, so so whatever whatever it is that you're passionate about, use that. I think yeah. people should use that to subvert um, systems of power, sure. mm. and that is a very scary thing. So fearlessness is necessary. Very necessary. Agreed. Hey, because there's a lot of people that they silenced. Yeah, <laughs> there's a cost. There's a cost for being fearless. There's oh, a true. cost, and Nina Simone is is an example of that. Yeah. She Sinal she died. Dementia. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a cost to being brave, and it's not everyone who can take that risk because you don't want to. You, you know, death comes <laughs> sometimes. Anyways. Like people have people have died for being radical. Mm. Sure. So Tina, we out here making movies, and I mean. A movie is banned. That that is the scariest thing to me because it means we live in an unsafe world Society. where actually mm. you can't create as you wish. Mm. What? Are, how how can people get in uh, get in touch with you and follow your life stories? <laughs> um, I'm on social media as a typical millennial, <laughs> and um, my Twitter handle is at absolute underscore fiasco. Okay, across board. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we had a conversation about this earlier. So my Twitter <laughs> handle at the moment uses my very um, old name. Name. I mm. used to be called Upelinda. Uh, it's still that because I'm not active really, but it's Belinda K Shange on on Twitter. But colega colega B Shange on Facebook and okay. at colega Shange on Instagram. Well, thanks a lot for 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 coming through and and hanging with us and. Imparting some of the pearls that you have as young as you are. And I think in, in, in line with our conversation and speaking about heroes, you are personally my heroes. Oh, um, <laughs> for, for being the people that you are and pursuing your respective um, passions. And I feel that everyone that is going to listen and that has listened to the show um, will learn a thing or two from you and we can move to a society where we have no fear. At Simply Bongani across all board, this is the Youth Leadership Platform. This is CliffCentral.com.